So tonight we're going to be looking at the Heroes of Faith, and I decided instead of doing one whole chapter for this week, we're going to break it down into a couple of weeks. So I don't know how many of you checked your emails, because I did send the handout with how it's broken down. If you haven't gotten it, just send me a text or let me know and I'll send it again. But this chapter is too rich to rush through it. So, and it's a blessing to be able to go through it because I never really did a teaching on the heroes of faith, the whole chapter. So this is a blessing for me too. So let me just say a word of prayer. And Lord, I do thank you for tonight, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to receive from your word tonight what you want to impart to us. Lord, we want to be listed with this group of believers when our time is done, that people can look back in our lives and see a hero of faith that endured to the end. We want that to be our testimony. So I do pray as we look at this introduction that your Holy Spirit will minister us here in this room, but also those that are listening online. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is from the Bible study, the actual Bible study on page 78. Uh, I'm sorry, 77 and 78. It says, in faith, we believe that our hope in the promise of the eternal will one day be fulfilled. Right? We all have a living hope that one day we're going to be with Jesus. The heroes of faith held on to this hope above all else, and their names, along with the evidence of their exercise of faith, are indelibly inscribed in the Word of God. And it's very kind of the Lord to just leave us their testimonies for our generation to see how did they live out their faith when they were here, facing all kinds of difficulties or needing miracles, all different kinds of miracles that we read about. A whole chapter in Hebrews is dedicated to describing and honoring these individuals who wholeheartedly trusted God. And God has been helping us with that this year, right? Just learning how to wholeheartedly trust in him. To walk by faith, like we keep hearing, and not by sight. All those included in the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame were living examples of what it means to stake your life on the promises of God. That's a powerful statement there, to stake your life on the promises of God. We see there's some people listed in Hebrews 11 that their life was on the line and they faced death, but they died in faith. They died in faith, believing that God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Their testimonies inspire and encourage us to abandon ourselves to the Lord. The scriptural praise these men and women received assure us that God does reward those who diligently seek him. And it's wonderful to hold on to that promise. I hold on to that promise. Doesn't matter what I feel like. Doesn't matter if I'm connecting or 
I'm not connecting. Doesn't matter how many times I'm distracted and keep coming back, distracted and keep coming back. He rewards those still diligently press through and keep seeking him. He notices that. On page 83, it said, faith can be as straightforward as presenting a religious offering or as monumental as building a massive ark. It can mean packing up and traveling to an unknown destination or staying in a city to wait for an attack. It can entail receiving strength to conceive a child in old age and strength to offer the same child as a sacrifice. It may lead to marching on dry land between gigantic walls of water or marching around a city for seven days. This all comes from the scriptures that we're reading here. Faith can lead us, lead us unscathed from a fiery furnace or from a night of imprisonment with lions. Faith may involve choosing to remain steadfast and enduring scourging, imprisonment, stoning, and destitution in order to be resurrected to a better life. It means preferring to die rather than renounce God or Christ. I'm going to read that sentence again. It means preferring to die rather than to renounce God or Christ. It is believing that this world offers little in comparison to the blessing of eternity. It moves us to place everything we have in the hands of God trusting in his promise of a heavenly country worthy of every kind of sacrifice. Now, if we didn't believe in what we just read, this is a waste of our time. Gathering together here, meeting together, and doing what we're doing, right? We do this because we believe God is and we believe there is a heavenly country. We believe we are just pilgrims and sojourners here while we're here. So with that introduction, I do want us to read through Hebrews 11, and I broke it down by different verses. So what I would like is to Go around the room if you're able to. If you're not able to, don't worry about it, okay? We'll just skip over. But if you're able to, just if you could read the sections, one section that's highlighted where it says, by faith we understand, verses one through three, someone can read that. Faith at the dawn of history, someone can read that. Faithful Abraham, someone can read that section. The heavenly hope, someone can read that section. The faith of the patriarchs, that section, the faith of Moses, and by faith they overcame. That's a long section there, so whoever's uh, gung-ho can read that part. So <laughs> we'll just go around the room and we'll read through it together until we get through the whole thing. And try to read loud enough so the microphone can get your, you know what? I'm going to try to pass this. Okay, by faith we understand, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
or by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Received him 
figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. The faith of Moses, verses 23 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. It should say than all the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so and were drowned. By faith they overcame, verses 30 through 40. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, made valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So when we read through that chapter, we see all different kinds of situations and circumstances these heroes of faith faced in life while they were here. And it's amazing that last sentence that Cindy read, it says, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. Well, what was that promise? The promise they were awaiting the Messiah. They were awaiting the Messiah. Because none of them saw him. But they died in faith believing 
He's gonna come. He's coming. The one who was to come and save his people from sin and bring in his glorious kingdom of everlasting righteousness, they held on to that promise that they had heard from the prophets that had gone before them. The promise that was made way back in the Garden of Eden, even in Genesis 3.15, we looked at that a long time ago. But aren't we standing in that same faith right now, awaiting the Messiah, desiring for him to come and set up his kingdom here on earth? We're all waiting for that, right? So we're in good company. We really are in good company. The heroes of faith, do you realize they're just everyday people, just like us? They're just like us. People who said yes to God, just like some of the songs we were singing tonight, and opened their hearts and lives to God to do his work in them and through them. That's what made them heroes. They were just a willing vessel. Lord, take my life and use it. How do you choose to use it in my generation? They were just like us. But they wanted God to use them. They saw beyond this earthly, this natural realm that we all live in. They knew eternity was real. And they were living for eternity. Each one of them embraced the gift of God, which was faith in this chapter. They believed God, because remember, that's what it opened with. They, whoever comes to must believe that he is. I mean, why, again, do this unless he is? We know that he is alive forevermore, seated. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus upholds all things in the planet Earth, on around the orbits, the, everything. He upholds it by the power of his word. We read that in Hebrews. So the invisible realm is more real than this tangible realm. We have to remind ourselves of that every single day, right? Because it seems like we get torn between both worlds all day long. We're being torn between both worlds. It's like, oh, I wish I could just stay in one mindset, right? So I know sometimes we can tend to put the heroes of faith up on a pedestal or even people that God's using up on a pedestal. And when we see our flaws and our failures, we feel like, God can't use me. But again, they're all like us, right? Remember Paul and Peter said in the book of Acts, they were laying flowers down on their feet, saying, oh, these men are like God. They're like gods, gods in Rome, gods because they worship many gods. Why are you worshiping me? That's what Paul said, Peter. We're being just like you, we have the same nature as you. So we have to remind ourselves of that. 
Because sometimes we feel like God can't use me. Because look at how I am. I'm all messed up. I just blew it. Or I said, oh yeah, today I'm going to spend the whole day with the Lord. And I've been in and out all day with the Lord. Right? So we feel like God can't use me. Well, I want to read something to you that I saw on Facebook not too long ago. And I was like, that is so good for our people. For the men also. <laughs> so you ladies can share this with your husbands. But I typed on scriptures next to it. It was, it was a picture and it had this on it, but I put scripture to it because it didn't have scripture. So when you feel like God can't use you, I want you to remember Noah had a vineyard and would drink a little too much. And he got drunk. And his sons, one of his sons abused him. That's Noah. Abraham was too old. You think about when Sarah had her baby, how old was Abraham? 100. 100. 100. Is that old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac was a daydreamer. He would have dreams, mulatta, from the ground to heaven. And he said, this has to be the portal to heaven. He could dream. Jacob was a liar. He deceived his dad, and his mom helped him. We studied this. He was a liar. Use these people. Leah was ugly. Right? Talk about how beautiful Rachel was. And Leah, she it seems like she had pretty eyes, but that was about it. <laughs> Joseph was abused by his family. Moses had a stuttering problem and was a murderer. Gideon was afraid of his own shadow. Samson had long hair, and he was a womanizer. And think about it. God used these people. I put scriptures there so you can do your homework and look up all those scriptures to see how God used them. Rahab was a prostitute. God used them in a powerful way. Jeremiah and Timothy, they were too young. They were very young when they received the call. David had an affair, and he was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. He just wanted to die. Hiding in a cave, and God said, what are you doing in there? Get out. Get out of the cave. I have something for you to do. Elijah preached naked. Or oh, he might have just had a one cloth on for a while. Jonah ran from God. He thought he could run from God. Naomi, she was a widow. God used her. Job went bankrupt. He lost everything. 
Peter denied Christ three times, and he had a temper. The disciples, all of them, fell asleep. They were supposed to be watching and praying, and they were sleeping. Martha was worried about everything. She was a warrior. God used her, right, to serve Jesus. He was hungry, he needed to eat. The Samaritan woman was divorced several times, and then she was living with someone who wasn't her husband. And God used her for our whole community. Zacchaeus was too small. He couldn't see. Remember, he had to climb up in a tree to see Jesus. And Jesus noticed him. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house to eat. Wow, really? Paul was too religious. He talked about that in Philippians 3. All his accomplishments. Timothy had an ulcer. So even if you're sick, God can still use you. And Lazarus was dead. <laughs> so I saw that on Facebook and I was like, that's good. I mean, that's good stuff there. And I wanted to share it with you all because like I said, many times we could put the heroes of faith on this pedestal, but they were just like us. And they had their own struggles. They all had struggles. None of them was perfect. The only one that was perfect was Jesus. He is the only one that was perfect. So the problem is if we keep looking at ourselves, saying, oh, but God can't use me, or look at me, I'm this, I'm that, or the other thing, he can pass us by. He can say, well, fine, I'll find someone else. Someone else who will answer the call. Because in reality, we read that in the beginning of the Bible study, right? These people just answered the call. That's what made them special. They said yes to God. Yes to his will, his kingdom purposes. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. This should be an encouragement to all of us. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. He said, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why does he do this? That no flesh should glory in his presence. He gets all the glory. I love my pastor back home, his testimony. <laughs> he was rough. He ran with a rough crowd. He was in jail, he was in drugs. He, he just, he was a mess. It's a miracle what God has done in his life and his wife's life, because they were a mess when they first came to the Lord. And he always used this portion of scripture to say when he first started reading the Bible, he was like, hey, look, look, we're in here, we're in here. 
everywhere he would go to share with people. We're in here. God's chosen us. He's got a call for us. So, and he just wanted to share that love of God with everyone else. But that we have to realize that God knows what he's getting when we say yes to him. He's not surprised. He's not surprised. He knows what he's getting. But he still says to us, will you be available to reach out to that person or to pray for that person? Would you be my hands, my feet, my voice to them? Because again, we look at all these saints that have gone before us and they answer the call by faith. How many times is this by faith? And we'll break it down even more in the next few weeks, but it's by faith that they say, yes, Lord. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know where I'm going. I can see the signs of the time. I think about Noah, how long he built that ark and the mocking that he endured because it had never rained before. And it's like, what are you doing? But he moved with godly fear by faith. Again, we see by faith when he told um, Joshua to march around the city seven times, seven times, blow that trumpet. By faith, they did that. We went to Jericho, and it's like, that took a lot of faith to believe that these walls were going to come down. God made a promise to Sarah. At the appointed time, you will bear a child. And she laughed. And he's like, why are you laughing? Is anything too hard for God? With God, all things are possible. At the appointed time, I'm going to come back and you're going to say, you're going to be with child, have a child. And she did, by faith. Old. <laughs> Old. But she promised, she believed him who was faithful. That was the key phrase in there. And that's what we've been looking at, right? All through these weeks is he's faithful. So we put our faith in his faithfulness, of what his word has said about who he is, but then two, our own testimony. We all have a testimony. We all have a history with the Lord. All of us have a history. So when you look at these words that are being used here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29, the last minute I decided, let me look it up in the Greek and see what those actual words mean. So the foolish, the Greek word, this is the only Greek word I'm giving you, is moros. And it just reminded me of moron. <laughs> I read that. Moros. It means someone who's dull, stupid. Do you feel like that sometimes? Even McKenna's shaking her head saying, yeah, <laughs> you don't feel stupid. <laughs> or shut up. That's what it means, too. So much that that person's talking that you just want to shut up. A blockhead. That's what it means. God uses those kinds of people. That's what it means in the Greek. The weak means those that have no strength or that are impotent or sick 
or feeble. The base, those of them are unknown. Think about how many old ladies there probably are praying. Prayers that we don't even know about. You know, you think about when you read stories of revival, there were always a group of people that were in a hotel or somewhere praying that no one knew about. And that's why revival came. It's because of their prayers. The base can be someone who's a coward. See that with Gideon. How God used him. Or someone without kin. Someone that don't have any family. Naomi. I mean, when we look at these definitions, we can see the biblical characters that can fall into these categories. The despised, or people that are contemptible, or at least esteemed. And the things which are not. Do you know when I looked up the Greek word, it was M-E. With a hyphen over the E. The things which are not. M-E. Me. (laughs) Yeah, God can use you. 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 He can use you. He can use me. That's the miracle. And why does he use us? So no flesh can glory in his presence. Because when he uses you, you realize that was you. That was all you. Only you could have done that. That was you. On page 84 of the Bible study, it says how privileged we are to have in the scripture story after story of fallible human beings who became part of salvation history because they learned to rely on God's faithfulness. May we follow their examples of heroic faith to rise early the next morning and go forth trusting God, just like they did, just like they did. So even though we read, read through Hebrews 11 and it stops at that last verse, it really goes into Hebrews 12 because in reality, the original manuscripts, there's no chapters in the Bible. Man put chapters in there and broke it up in a way that sometimes you don't get the full picture of what is being said there. So when we finish Hebrews 11, really Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 goes with Hebrews 11. And I'm going to read that because this is now the race of faith. And this is where we are as 21st century Christians. Therefore, the reason why it's there, it's for us to see that since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people we read about and talked about, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us 
and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, like they did. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, those heroes just had promises that Messiah was coming. There was a whole group of apostles that are only apostles that our faith is built on in scripture. The ones that are listed in scripture are real and true apostles. (laughs) And they testified. They spent time with him, with Jesus, and testified, yes, he is the Messiah. And we have that testimony. We believe. We believe that. So we can, how much more us, that they testified that he came. Remember, they all died in faith, not having received the promise, not having seen it. The reality that the Messiah was to come here on earth. But we have apostles from the Bible that testified this is the Messiah. And he's come to us. He's revealed himself to us. Just like he revealed himself to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Maybe we haven't seen him face to face, but he has revealed himself to us inside that we know he is Messiah. So knowing that reality, this call to us to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, how much greater is that command to all of us, including myself in that, and to run with endurance that race that is set before us. You don't quit, right? When you run a race, a 5K, 10K, do you quit? No, you run like you're gonna win. You run so you get a prize. You don't care if it's the bottom of the list, but you're gonna make it over that line. I remember when my husband and I used to do the CrossFit together. There were times where he wanted to quit. I was like, no, we can't quit. We can't quit. And then, of course, he's not gonna let his wife show him up. It's older than him, so he would push himself. But it's like, there's a spiritual lesson in this. I used to tell him that all the time. There is a spiritual lesson in this, and if this is the only reason why we were doing that at that time, for God to make that so real to us, you gotta finish it out. I mean, you can quit. But we're not those, we're not of those. Hebrews talks about we're not of those that draw back. If we've really come to the knowledge of who he is, we won't draw back. And Jesus will give us the grace to run, to finish this race of faith. Because again, just like we opened here on page 77, the quote where it says, in faith, we believe that our hope in the promise of the eternal will be fulfilled one day. 
We believe that. That one day faith will become sight. So A.W. Tozer said, faith is not a once done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart of the triune God. And isn't that what he's continually trying to help us with? When we come together as a body, or even in our own quiet time, when we get distracted, the Holy Spirit's there pulling us back. We get distracted, the Holy Spirit's there pulling us back. And you just, you may feel like a ping pong ball, but at least you're in the game. You know what I'm saying? You're not letting him smack you out of the court, the enemy, where you're not getting back in the ring and just hitting that ball back where it needs to be hit. So for next week, to prepare for next week, what I want all of us to do, including myself, I'm going to go through Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 7 again, just that portion of scripture, and study that passage by answering the following questions. So I'm just going to say what the questions are in case anyone didn't get that handout that might be listening online. So how do verses 1 through 3 describe the characteristics of faith? And that's what we're going to be looking at next week and talking about. Number two, how do verses 1 through 3 describe the characteristics of faith? I said that twice. Let me get that question out of there. That's what happens when you're doing this early in the morning. We have um, prayer every Wednesday morning and Saturday morning. So you see a Wednesday morning, we do it Zoom with a few of us. And it's at 6.30 in the morning and Saturday it's at 7.30 in the morning. So this morning I'm laying in bed and I'm like, why is my alarm not going off? Because I usually set it on my phone. And I'm, I could just sense that I should be up. This is like, I should be up. So I look at my watch, and it was 623. And I darted out of bed, just already upstairs, getting ready to put the Zoom on. But I just knew it's become such a habit. It's like, I shouldn't be here. Something's wrong. And I, when I checked my phone, I realized I didn't, I didn't set my clock. So I share that because when you get up like that and you're working on stuff like this, that kind of stuff happens. You put things two times, three times, and it's like, I'm not fully up yet. So, so the second question, the first was, how do verses 1 through 3 describe the characteristics of faith? The second question is read through Genesis 4, 1 through 16, and look at how is Abel's faith described in verse 11 of Hebrews, verse 4. And we'll be looking at that and talking about that. Question 3, read through Genesis 5, 18 through 24, and look at what was God's response to Enoch's faith according to Hebrews 11, 5 through 6. And lastly, read through Genesis 6, 5, through 8, 22, chapter 8, 22. And look at what does Hebrew 11, say, 7 say about Noah and how he implemented his faith in the day that he was living in. So Lord willing, next week we'll look at these three men, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, 
and see what we can learn from their lives because what they went through in their time is not much different than what we're facing now in our time. So we want to learn from them, this chance we hear. We want to learn from them so that we can apply it in our generation. So again, someone can look back at our lives and say, they were my hero. They were a hero of faith. They lived out their faith in this generation because that's what your life is to be, just like all these that have gone before us. That's what our lives are to be. And I know I share the story about our friend that had the cancer and was believing the Lord for healing to her dying day. And like I said, she didn't receive her healing here on planet Earth, but I know she is free from that cancer ridden body and she was my hero because she held faith to the end. She really believed Jesus was going to heal and touch her. She held faith to the end and I was like, she is my hero. I would put up with all the other saints that have gone before us. Don't you want your name to be there too? Yeah. So, Lord, I am so grateful, Lord, for your word, how it has been preserved for our generation so that we can learn from all the saints that have gone before us how to run this race of faith, looking unto you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross because you knew that you were going to triumph over every evil in this world that we see in our generation. And what I pray, that you would just continue to build upon what you are imparting to us tonight about these dear saints, Lord. And as we study your word and prepare for next week, Father, I pray that each one would be richly blessed. Lord, richly blessed. Each one of my sisters that are here, those that are listening online, and Lord, I pray that you would impart to us what we are going to need in the days that we're living in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.